and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we're wrapping up Castle Rock this week. Uh, happy new president. Happy almost February. Right. Happy 2021. It's beginning to feel like a different year, like something has changed. Yeah. Now, hey everybody, peek behind the curtain. We're recording this before the inauguration, so I'm really hopeful that nothing heinous happens tomorrow, which we is the that. inauguration. I was, we could have carried the illusion that we have a, well, a I, resolve despite anything that happened. I could maybe take it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I am afraid of is if something king heinous happens tomorrow, yeah. and then we're like, New Year, New You! <laughs> so, okay. So, what I will say is I'm on a new computer, so hopefully I don't mess everything up, and the uh, the episode actually gets to yes. our adoring I'm public. I'm really excited, because soon I will be on a similar computer, a new computer. Indeed. I'm a cotton chat. We love new computers in this house. Yeah. How was your... Week. Guess. Let's guess. How will our week be? <laughs> our, our week will be, there'll be a sigh of relief, I feel, in that things will, we'll actually have professionals in charge of things and we will have COVID distribution for all the boys and girls and everyone in between. You mean vaccine? Um, I'm sorry, what did I say? <laughs> COVID distribution. We okay. already have that. <laughs> COVID. Anyhow, uh, hopefully, I. I don't. I hope everything will be better. So, what do you think? How has your week been? Hopefully, good. Uh, I'm. I should be going out of town, hence the subterfuge. Relaxing vacation. Uh, yeah, wherein I will play many board games. Many board Because that's how I do. Uh, yeah, and then arts, board games, and arts. You got a gift today. I got a gift today. Gouache. Gouache. Jelly cup squash. I'm excited. I don't know how to use it. So I'm going to destroy so everything. So exa- you don't know how to use it. Okay, I was about to ask you how exactly is it used, because I hear that term all the time. I thought you were using something similar before. You were... Um, I've never used anything... So I am. I have been painting recently with acrylics, mm-hmm. uh, which is an opaque paint that you do use water to, with. Right. Um, and then I just got some watercolors... Some like good quality watercolors because mm-hmm. the watercolors that I had were uh, bad, and I was like, okay, I don't know if I don't like watercolor or if I don't like crappy watercolor. Right. So I got some good watercolor to try and do some tutorials with watercolor. Uh, and so far, I'm enjoying it better than I did with the dry pans of like child watercolor that I had. Um, and gouache is sort of a blend between the two so it's a it's a paint that you can you you use water to thin it mm-hmm. but it's still opaque like acrylics it doesn't get but you can like you can thin it out even more to make it more translucent like watercolor it mm-hmm. sort of lives in the middle the other thing about gouache that's interesting to me is like when you paint watercolor and then you reapply water to it it thins it out, right? It changes it, yes. Okay. It reactivates on the page. When acrylic paint dries and then you put water or fresh paint over it, it doesn't affect the paint underneath because acrylic paint draws to be plastic. That's okay. what it is. And gouache is sort of like acrylic paint thickness with the re 
wetting ability of watercolor, it will reactivate on the page. So it's going to be a learning experience. I plan to play with it. I'm going to try. I've, I've been very like rigid with some of the other supplies that I've gotten where I'm like, I will watch all of the uh, tutorials and I will do what the tutorials tell me to do. And then I will know that I'm doing this right. Mm -hmm. And something about this gift, because I didn't choose it because it chose me. <laughs> well, it didn't chose, choose me, but a, a gift, yes, a gift giver uh, gave it to me. I kind of want to just play and see what happens, which is a new art experience for me. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, so maybe we'll post some gouache, gouache painting. Of course, I, I like um, the word gouache. Gouache. I, uh, I guess we recently saw a documentary on um, Miyazaki yes. and his creation of Ponyo, and I had no idea about how much work went into it. I mean, of course, I had an idea about how much work went into animation, but I had no idea how much in, in work he put into uh, creating the images. He doesn't yes. have a script. He just works from a set of images that he makes. Yes. They don't have any narrative behind them, and then the story's constructed around them. Right. And there's a point where... Which he, is a fascinating way to work. Yes. And it's very time-consuming. Um, and he pulls out... I think it was pastels, right? He He was... A box of pastels that he, because he generally worked in watercolor, yes. and he just begins pulling out a set of um, of paints that he'd never used before. Oh, interesting. I don't and remember. And just begin, yeah. begins creating what turns out to be the central image yes. in Ponyo um, using this new medium. Yes. And it was just a, a really about himself, keeping uh, keeping himself stimulated yeah. with what his work was and trying a different artistic style and trying a different method of expression. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It was It was very interesting. That's right, because yes, he was he was doing something that was more opaque than he was yeah. used to doing. Plus, he was oh, he was also he might have been using gouache as well. He was also doing a thing where he was staying away from highlights and shadows. Yeah, and he wanted to do something of a more Ill illustrative design where it's just flat color, which is what yeah. gouache is actually really great for. It can do highlights and shadows, obviously, but yeah. it's also good for just laying down a flat wash of opaque color. Yeah, I'm very interested in, and I, I guess maybe that's why I didn't go further in that direction, because I can't see colors really well, um, sometimes not at all. So I wonder if if I pursued that, where I would have gone with it. I think I think there are definitely artists who work in color, who are mm -hmm. colorblind. That's definitely a thing. Well, there's a spectrum of colors I can see very well, but it tends mm -hmm. to wind up looking like, um, I guess maybe that's what attracted me to them in the first place, the sort of uh, four-color technicolor or yes. the comic books in yeah. the old days that only had a certain yeah. number of color variations. Yeah. So, and you could definitely do things like tone studies right. where you're just using, you know, various versions of gray mm -hmm. or or... A single color, but in various yeah. tones. Um, the other thing that I think would be interesting would be for you to paint something that, using paints, you could show me what the world looks like to you. Right. I, so if we painted the exact right. same, say, vase of flowers right. with the same paints, you would mix the paints differently than I would. Mm. And what we would see is probably... 
more close to what you experience the world like right. than what I experience the world well, like, which I think would be very interesting because I don't understand how you see, and I'm curious. There was um, a moment when you adjusted my phone. Yes. For colorblindness. And, um, Which, hey, accessibility matters. Right. And I showed it to uh, two of my coworkers once, uh, and their reaction immediately was, you dropped your phone. It's broken. Right, it's broken. You, there's something wrong with it. Um, and I pointed out to them, no, this is basically adjusted for colorblindness. It's really... And one of my coworkers uh, just kept almost arguing with me, saying, well, what colors can't you see? I said... You I, don't know. I don't know. And then she kept going, stop avoiding the question. What colors can you see? We could give you a test that would come out with the colors mm -hmm. that you, that to tell well, us what colors you can't see, but you can't prove a negative. I, I don't know what I'm not seeing. Right, exactly. So I, I tried to explain that to her, and I think she still thought I was being evasive deliberately or something. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what I'm not looking at. Right. So I can't, you know. And also, yeah, right. Like, You've now lived long enough where people have said, this is green, this is red, this is orange, to which you say, okay, well, but what I'm seeing is not green, red, and orange. It's just what you've decided to, to call those. Like, it's our experience of those colors is not the same. No, that's why I hate purple. Because purple is such a wide range of colors that someone can point purple out to me and I can try to remember what purple looks like. Yeah. But Which makes me think that red is a primary issue for you. It can be red and brown on either end of the spectrum. And right. so I'm looking at it going, well, how can this still be purple when it looks so different? Yeah. And there's some that I think are kind of pink, but no, it's purple. And so, yeah, yeah I, I hate purple. As a but concept. also, I, I do think that the naming of color feels... There are certain colors that I'm like, I can't tell if that's purple or blue. Right. I, I just my my brain is this. I'll I'll make a guess or I'll call it one or the other, but my brain is like those are the same. <laughs> so you know, I think I may have a mild, very mild form of what you've got going mm. on. Uh, that I'm trying to train myself out, not train myself out of, but like work around. But you yeah, know, it's. It's in this case, it's very subjective, and color's interesting because, like, there wasn't a word for blue is the last color to be named. There wasn't a word for Ooh. the color blue. If you read Greek um, books, they refer to the sea as wine dark, right? Right, which would make it red. Which would make it red, or like a deep purple color. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is because we can't really identify a color until we can recreate that color. And blue dye was the last one that we created. Um, so the sky was always described as white, not blue. And the sea was wine dark or, or, you know, dark, but never blue. Blue was not a wine dark sea. I remember that from Homer. Because most things in nature are not blue. What what are blue are the 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 sky and the reflection thereof in the water. So those are the things that are blue. And because we couldn't recreate it, we didn't have a word for it, which I think is really interesting. There's a Radio Lab article which I will recommend. I'm taking an early recommendation, and I'll link it actually in the show notes if you're interested. There's like whole thing on color in uh, a radio lab and it's really it's a good episode. Old too. It's like a 
a decade and a half old or something. So, you want to get into this? Sure, absolutely. Get into this episode. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, so, we watched the last two episodes of Castle Rock season one, entitled Henry Deaver and Romans. Uh, and finally, finally, the thing that I've known that you didn't know has been yes given to us. And we'll talk about that later, maybe afterwards. What? I liked my conclusion better. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Henry Deaver is mm-hmm. called Henry Deaver because we now have two Henry Deavers. Okay. And what, what I'm not going to do is refer to a black Henry Deaver and a white Henry Deaver. I'm not it's doing that. the easiest that. way to do it. I'm not doing it, though. But I you refuse should. to do it. What I am going to do is call them Henry Deaver Prime. That is the Henry Deaver from the world that we live in. Okay. And then Henry Deaver II. Uh, that is the kid. I might also just refer to him as the kid. He keeps being referred to as such in the captioning as well. So even after we know his name is Henry Deaver. Henry Deaver. Which is an interesting plot turn because what it means is that the entire time that he was being asked, or that everyone mm-hmm. thought he was asking for Henry Deaver, he's actually just saying his name. His name. Yeah. Which they do a cheat because... Uh, in the, I believe in the previously on, mm-hmm. they cut together uh, Teresa and Cusack's character saying, what is your name? And him saying Henry Deaver. Right. That is not what we saw earlier. Um, it wasn't in that, that order, but his name is Henry, Henry Deaver. Deaver. Uh, in our world, he's baby boy Deaver and he goes so to visit his own grave. He dies. In the, the original child of Ruth and her husband. Presumably, yeah. And um, in another dimension, though. In another dimension. And this is where it starts with the end of the other episode where he's telling Molly, right? Yes. How she died. Yes. And she died in his world upon his coming over. Okay. The day that Henry, that both Henrys came back to this world. Uh, so we start, let's start, start, start all the way back at the beginning. Um, we see Matthew talking. And I, I guess he's, I don't know if he's sermonizing in the voiceover or if the voiceover is separate. Uh, but he's talking about how his... His mom tried to kill him with a hanger, but God saved him. And I don't know if, I, I didn't look it up, but I don't know his mom might have been played by one of the Gummer sisters, the one of Meryl Streep's daughters. That's what she, it looked like to me, but mm-hmm. she was only in this one scene. She is desperate. She clearly is suffering post, from postpartum depression. She is alone in the home, and she comes and tries to kill the baby leaves the room after the, she presumes the baby is dead, and when she re- returns to her own room upon entering the door, the baby starts crying, so the baby is not dead. And this is Matthew telling the story. That's a very hard scene to watch, by the way. It's a very hard it's, scene to watch. Uh, it's bordering on what I don't want to see. Right. And um, the fact that it's done very discreetly, mm-hmm. I... But, yeah, it, it's hard because there is a woman pressing a coat hanger to a baby's throat. Yes. I My first thought was, 
So the only two people who were there were your mother and you, mm-hmm. and you were an infant. There's no way you have recollection of this. Right. How abusive a childhood did you have where you are aware of this yeah. story? Well, that occurred to me, too. Like, I know... Like, how do you know this? I know terrible people. stories right. about things that my parents did to me as a baby because they were terrible enough to then tell me about them when I was older. So... I I can kind of tell you from personal experience, that's deeply fucked up, deeply psychologically scarring. Now, Matthew in both worlds mm-hmm. is uh, a flawed and broken man, right? And uh, it seems like they are actually fairly similar to each other yes. on both sides up to the point where they take their son into the woods mm-hmm. and tell them that they're going to kill their mom. <laughs> do we do we, do we get that in this one, or do we get it? Oh, we get it in episode ten. I didn't take a lot of notes on episode nine. The, it's, I was like watching it. I was there's like, there's not much that you can it. do because it's essentially telling the same story over again. There's a couple of episodes, this and the Queen, that seem to be telling the same story from a different vantage point. Multiple vantage points, yeah. And it reminds me of what Stephen King did, and it drove me crazy in Salem's Lot, the book, where he keeps recounting one instant, one um, instance as retold, one instance of the plot as retold by several different characters. From their different points of view. Do and you so, like Rashomon? Well, I like Rashomon because the points of view are very different. And this one, they were similar enough, and you're reading it. So it's not like it passes by in terms of mm-hmm. scenes. And then, like in Rashomon, there's one scene that's almost comic because it's so, you know, the, that's how, how different clearly it Clearly off. Rashomon is the story of a murder taken from the point of view of three separate people. Uh, the wife who claims that she was. Uh, her husband was murdered and she was raped. The bandit who claims that she offered herself in reven- in return for killing her husband. Uh-huh. And eventually the husband who says that... But he said... Right. All this was nonsense <laughs> and essentially, you know, mistakes were made. But you never really get to the bottom of the story because all three versions are radically different. Um, the two episodes, The Queen and uh, I guess it's... Uh, Henry Deaver. Henry Deaver. Yeah are both telling the story from different points of view. It's adding stuff to it, though. Because we get Henry Deaver, at least suggestions of his home life and what direction he went in. Yes. Um, so that's sort of how this episode starts. After after the uh, sort of intro of the terribleness mm-hmm. of Matthew's childhood, uh, we then get Henry Deaver, second, the second, uh, Bill Skarsgård, Talking in a suit, he is a Alzheimer researcher, or he works. It's unclear whether he's a doctor. Uh, I believe that he is, but it's not explicitly stated. Uh, he's working in Alzheimer's research. His mother has Alzheimer's, which is uh, similar across. Right. He um. He is married, and his wife is. He and his wife are trying to get pregnant, and he gets a call from Alan, uh, who says, your mom's fine, it's your dad. 
Mm. And he returns very similarly uh, to the beginning of the season with uh, Henry Deaver Prime uh, to Castle Rock to deal with the aftermath of his father's suicide. Uh, his father has lived alone in Castle Rock for nigh on these many years, probably since he was about 11, since Matthew, this Matthew was about 11, uh, at which point his mother left him. She now lives in Sarasota, Florida, with Alan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone seems to be slightly more healthy in his dimension. Yes. It, everyone around this family. Right. Uh, and yeah, he says, because later Molly says, what's it like there? And he says, happier. And it does seem that that is the case. Well, this family didn't lose a baby. Mm-hmm. So right. they've got a leg up right that. away. Right. Uh, but Matthew was ill. He was mentally ill. He was clearly a hoarder in the house. It's the same house that he stayed in because Ruth dressed up and left the way that she was offered that uh, in the previous episode in The Queen. So Henry goes back to deal with the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes up to Molly's sister, who we had seen, who is clearly doing better than Molly in our world. And is not in this world. In this she's world, a she's the busybody. Uh, uh, her first, I think, her first statement to Henry is uh, making jokes about not realizing who he is. Maybe not realizing she presumes he's a speculator right. uh, there to uh, to look at the property, and says, "Don't worry, he w- it was he was out on the lake, whatever." So that's how we know he killed him. He shot himself on the mm-hmm. lake, uh, and. Then Molly shows up and recognizes Henry, and Henry recognizes Molly, and then they end up going out for drinks. Uh, Molly's like a town councilwoman. She yeah, seems she to have her what stuff she's, together. Uh, has the ambition to be in the other. World. In the yes, in the current mm-hmm. uh, or in in our world in in prime. I I say our world in the world that we've been in this entire okay. time, uh, and her sister cheated on her husband and has been couch surfing on her couch for a year, which is that's too long. It's it's not couch surfing at this point. It's, you know, Also, sh- I'm sure she's not on her couch. I'm sure there's a guest room in that house. So Henry's there. He's going to clean up the property, sell the house, do the things, right? And uh, in the evening, he goes downstairs. While they're talking, Henry's like, you always knew a lot of stuff about, you know, about what was going on. And she chalks it up to being a busybody. I was right. a busybody even then. It's unclear whether or not she has these abilities. abilities. She does seem to know a little more than you might expect her to, but she could just be a busybody. It's unclear. Then Henry's on the phone to his wife, who is like an hour late for her period, and he's like, take a test. And she's like, it's a day. Like, it's right. not. <laughs> that's not how any of this works. But he's like clearly excited about the prospect and the power goes out and he goes downstairs to look for the fuse box and finds a very young prime Henry mm-hmm. in a cage. Dun, dun, dun. Cause that's where Henry Deavers live in cages. So they let him out. They, he calls the police. They let him out. This is Henry during the time he's been missing 
And it is made clear that one day a long time ago, many, many years ago, Matthew got a calling, like Lacey got a calling from God, and scooped up this Henry and put him in a cage. And he has stayed 11, or however old he is, for decades, it seems like. Now, it's unclear how long. And this is a weird thing with the timeline, because I got a little excited when I realized that Andre Holland, our actor who plays Henry Deaver Prime mm-hmm. that we've been with this whole time is 41 years old today. I'm going to okay. give you today's years. Um, or actually maybe not, maybe it was in, in 2018 when this was recorded, he's 41 years old. Uh, Bill Skarsgård is 28 years old, which is 11 years difference. Right. Ish. It was, it's pretty close to the amount of time from zero to lost. Okay. But it appears, though, that Henry was gone for a lot long. Uh, our Henry was in that cage for a lot longer than the kid was in the cage. Okay. Because, well, maybe not. Yeah. It's it's weird because I don't know how old the Bill Skarsgård Henry Deaver is supposed to be. But Alan sounds like Alan. Molly is as old as she is today, right. not when she when it, they went. It's hard to tell. I mean, so I, yeah. it looks like he got displaced from 2018 to our 1991. Right. Whereas Henry Prime got displaced from 1991 to, I guess, their 1991. And then stayed all the way to 20... So maybe they were displaced for exactly the same amount of time. And then the time portal between... Or the, the portal between the two worlds opens equally? I don't know. It's very strange. You lost me. <laughs> I was following you up to a certain point. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no. So like if... So if a door opens in 1991... Uh-huh. On both sides. So young Henry... Young Henry, Henry Prime, goes through in 1991, uh-huh. and it's 1991 on that end. Right. And then he is stuck there until 2018 when he is released and comes back. Right. No. Yes. Okay, say that. Say that's the case. And when he comes back, he brings the other Henry Deaver with him. Okay. Back to our 1991. Because he reappears 11 days later or whenever. That's how long he'd been missing. Right. Um, and then that Henry Deaver from 2018 comes back and it's 1991 and then lives all the way until 2018 again. Not aging. <laughs> in a cage. Then I guess that's that's where we are. Okay. Spoiler alert for the next episode, I guess. He doesn't go back through, so we mm-hmm. don't know what he'd return to. Right. But would he return a week later? Like, would he return a week after he'd actually gone missing? Possibly. That's the reason why he doesn't age. He, right. He's just... He's in stasis or He's something. in stasis, right. Right. He doesn't evolve or change at all. Or change, yeah. Okay, that kind of does make sense. Okay. But I wish... But now I want you to explain the plot of Primer to me. <laughs> I, I, I should watch that movie again. Yeah. I, that movie is really good. Um, 
the the one thing that that I wish is that the actors were closer in age, mm. because presumably Henry from the second world, um, he might be a little bit younger because they adopted. In our world, they adopted Henry at the age of five after a stillbirth. Right. Presumably, the stillbirth didn't happen and the, the birth. So he, but that could have happened at any time, either during or prior to our Henry's actual life. Like they could have waited a decade before yeah. they adopted, or it could have been the next week. Probably not the next week, but say the next year. So. Henry that we know could have been up to five years, say, older than the quote-unquote real son, the the biological son Mm -hmm. of these two people. But the acting, the the discrepancy in ages between the actors is significantly more than that. So that was my sort of confusion uh, about the timelines was why is he so young if he's about now in both timelines like like he presumably molly because molly is sort of the the way that you can gauge that because Mm -hmm. you don't see old matthew and you don't see you know their ruth or their alan you hear them but you don't see them yeah uh, and she, we know that she's got Alzheimer's. So, so Molly is our bridge. So presumably, all three of those characters are the same age. Yeah. And Bill Skarsgård and Andre Holland are a decade plus different in ages. So it's just a little. And Melanie Linsky, I think, might be right in between them. Mm-hmm. So, I, so confusing. So I just, I th- what I think is that they are. Aging Andre Holland down a little bit and mm. aging Bill Skarsgård up uh, a little okay. bit to make them sort of contemporaries with each other. That was pretty confusing to me as I'm trying to figure out how it all worked. Wait, we just got, I won't say the phrase that you hate, but we got a little bit uh, time confused. <laughs> so, uh, so. So, our Henry II, the kid, finds our Henry I, our Henry Prime, a, an actual child in the cage. They He calls the police. They let him out. Henry tries to run into the woods. Presumably, he's hearing the sound. Yeah. Uh, and they grab him. They grab him in a way where I was like, that child has been locked in a cage for he like tackled. a long time. The, the officer who's... Uh, responsible for all this. Oh, at Shawshank. Yes. Shawshank. We see Dennis, who has not killed everyone at Shawshank in right. in the other well, He's worlds. just a really incompetent police officer in this he's... Because he does something unforgivable. What is that? Uh, he shoots someone in the back trying to tell oh, him to yeah, stop Oh, yeah, later running. he does. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, yeah. So what do I have here? Da-da-da-da. Henry tries to run into the woods, and we see the kid, that Henry Deaver, finding all these mini tapes, these mini mm-hmm. audio tapes, to try and figure out how long 
this kid's been here and it's been since 1991. They're mm. 1991. And then there's just Matthew talking into this. Um, basically, it's his version of the paintings, right? Yeah. He's talking into this recorder, talking about how God has turned his back on this place and how he's been told that he has to keep this devil locked up. Uh, then as he's out in the woods listening to these tapes, he finds Matthew has built a filter. Mm -hmm. So Odin in the previous episode uh, with the RV and the, and the soundproof chamber said, you know, your father has had designed this, but he didn't have a chance to build it. Well, this Matthew lived, and so he did build it, but it's broken up into pieces in the woods. So it's unclear if he went in there or if he sent the kid into there. Like, mm. it's, we don't know, but it's, it's, uh, it, he definitely completed it at some point. So the tapes also inform, um, inform us of what happened. So Henry Prime, the mm. child, had come through and found, Matthew presumed that was his father and said, I found it or I, I heard it. No bullshitting this time. I really heard it. And apparently that Matthew was also in the woods with his son, trying to get him to hear it. Yeah. His wife had also told that Henry, just tell him what you want to hear, which he sees as duplicitous and, you know. Yeah, because he's on some sort of sacred mission to his mind. Yes. And so to get anything less than, um, you know, an agreement or to, worse, worse than that, um, be agreed with just to get him to shut up. Yes. Yeah. He feels like he's finally been vindicated and then he has this turn, mm -hmm. this sort of breaking of his faith or being broken by faith almost where he realizes that he was he hadn't been praying he'd been wishing yeah which is an it's an interesting concept that they're delving into so basically what he comes to the conclusion of is that this child henry mm -hmm. was the devil granting his wish to be vindicated rather than a divine, divine proof mm -hmm. that he was correct. So he locks him in a cage. <laughs> he locks him in a cage for years and years and years. Because that's that's how that's how they do, I guess. Uh we get another little break in that there's another fire at Juniper Hill. <laughs> <laughs> because they brought this kid to Juniper right. Hill, and hey, so Juniper Hill doesn't do well in this show. What the, the the idea seems to be is that the um, the inclusion of a person from another dimension in our parallel world always seems to bring disaster or gives you really weird, creepy superpowers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the fact that um, Henry Deaver or the kid exists in our world causes no end of trouble. Yes. And so he uh, he's not deliberately well he can deliberately cause we, yes. disaster but he he um it's gonna happen regardless right. yeah uh, and 
back in our timeline, Molly has gotten all of this information from, this is the story the kid has told her. Back in the other world, Uh um, young Henry Deaver is being kept at the police station Uh because um, of this fire. He's saying, I couldn't stop them. They started lighting their mattresses on fire and I couldn't stop them. And Molly touches the young Henry's hand and knows that he's telling the truth. And uses her weight as the councilwoman to take Henry home with her. And then uh, Child Protective Services will be by in the morning. Uh, And at that point, she and Henry, she and both Henrys are in the car. And they're being followed by Dennis who's going to, you know, look, make sure that her house is free of whatever her house needs to be free of. It's unclear. He's going to do a search of the house, Mm -hmm. and then he's going to stay outside the whole time. And she pulls a very dangerous maneuver by crossing in front of a speeding train to to separate her vehicle and his vehicle, and then they drive into the woods. Officer Dennis comes after them, and they're running through the woods, and and young Henry is, I guess, following the sound of this, um, the schisma or whatever it is, and they're all running. I I need to be very clear away from the police officer. When he fires his weapon, he says he fires into the air. It was a warning shot, but yeah. he definitely shoots Molly in the back. Yeah. So. <laughs> And she dies. That is what he says. The woods is where you died. Because she is killed. At which point I wrote a cab in my, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my fucking uh, notes. Uh, and then they find the right spot. And there's this space in the woods. And it's daytime, even though it's nighttime. Right. It's daytime. And we see a young woman holding a knife in old-timey clothes. And we had heard um, one of the stories of this area and how this area is rotten was there was a settler group in the 1600s and they were wiped out by maybe a storm. Mm-hmm. And there was the only survivor was a young woman who was forced to eat her family compelled maybe Com- yes so we see her in this weird shimmery light and then we come out on the other side and it's snowing and it was not snowing before it is snowing now and now we are in our world 1991 and both henry's are running through the woods we lose track of the younger henry but we hear alan find him we hear the beginning from the very first scene Mm. where Alan sees him on the lake and scoops him up and uh, Henry II, the one who's telling the story, says, I wandered for days, but I couldn't find my way out of here. And Lacey found me after days. And that is, and, and then we know how, then he got put in a trunk. Then he got put in a cage and then the story happens. <laughs> so that's the episode, Henry Deaver. Yes, you got through it admirably. I was, I was 
kind of confused a lot of the time because it's jumping around and, yeah. and sort of revisiting things, and not everything is made explicit. So you kind of get, by the end of the episode, you have some sort of wrap-up for everything that's happening. Yes. That was the the crux of the, do you remember the thing? Do you know who he is? And you didn't. Right. And when they told you who he was, did you like, were you like, oh, or were you like, uh, or were you like... Uh, I was a little disappointed because I really think the other plot was better. But, I mean... I, it worked because it ties up the loose ends. The only thing it doesn't tie up, I think, is what I'm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the, the final episode. Okay. Uh, and the other thing is, well, there's a few things. Mm-hmm. One, this isn't necessarily true. Right. Two, it could be that once you go through the one of those portals, this could absolutely be true. But once you go through that, those portals, you are uh, something else now. Right. Three. It could be absolutely true. Once you go through one of those portals, you are something else as long as you are not in your own time and space. That seems to be the implication, the way the story uh, unwinds. I think Mm -hmm. that's what the story wants, specifically with the treatment of the two Henrys, because they've had the same experience. Right. And one of them definitely comes out on top. We'll say that. Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. Better. All right. Episode 10, 10. the last. It's called Romans. Why is it called Romans? Because of a scripture, the wages of sin is death. And like most scriptures used in media, it's completely misrepresented with what the actual scripture means to say. But also would be used in this context by this person, I think. By this minister who has lost his bearings along with his faith. Yeah. I think Um, that they... I think that the writers used it well in the context context of of the story. yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. So, Romans. Henry, we see Henry Prime, Andre Holland, giving his closing speech, or closing arguments. How certain do you have to be? Yeah. What is a shadow of a doubt? How much doubt is too much doubt when you are sentencing someone to death? That is key. He says you'd have to be pretty damn certain. Which and then I have a note that says the schisma hasn't been this loud in decades, which I think is um, from the previously on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff about the schisma and how it's been quiet, but now it's loud. Presumably that means he could, they could go through it again, through whatever. the If they could find that portal door, mm-hmm. they could get through it again. That is presumably what they're setting up, that that would be a possibility. Then we see the kid. He's back to being the kid. He's in the cage with Lacey. It's probably the last day, or close to the last day. Lacey's talking about how they painted over his parking spot, right. made it a disability spot. Little white guy in a wheelchair. Oh, a white guy in a wheelchair. He, said, he says, that's probably, that's about right. I've been waiting. I've put everything on hold. I've put it off my retirement. We've put off having kids waiting to hear from God what I'm supposed to do with you. And I didn't hear anything. Lacey cocks a gun at 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 him, but can't can't or won't fire it. Then we see Warden Teresa looking out as they are shipping off all of the rest of the convicts at Shawshank to other locales. 152 people getting on buses. Um, they are emptying Shawshank. They are closing it. Uh, I will say, before, the person who was yelling at her uh, back in episode 5, 
It totally was Richard Schiff in a cameo. You never see him. You never hear from him again. But I totally called it. Give me my props for knowing my West Wing yes. actors. Very uh, good. We also have a, a sort of a pan of all the paintings from the Ben Breakfast. And we're seeing flashbacks to the last time we kind of saw everybody, which was Jackie and um, our Henry at the Ben Breakfast crime scene. Uh, him getting a call that uh, his mom's out wandering and confused, so he takes off, and they don't like that. The police don't like that. Note, the police are terrible in this episode. Well, the police are terrible in both realities, too. They're just equally bumbling and dangerous because they're bumbling and they have guns. Yeah. We're also reminded that Wendell got off the bus and is walking into the woods in the dark. Then we are back with Molly and Henry, Henry too. And she's like, why are you telling me this? And Henry too says, I need Henry to find the door. I, I was wandering. I was out there by myself. It, nothing happened. I, I, I can't hear it. Right. I don't have that capability. And I, as long as I'm here, things are going to get Things are going to stay bad. People are going to die. And it's, I'm like a plague over here. I, I don't, I'm not doing anything. Just, I'm not supposed to be here. And yeah. because I'm not supposed to be here, it's heinous. So then Molly's like, what was it like over there? And he says it was happier. So then Molly drives off to look for Henry and finds Ruth standing on the bridge not just on the bridge, but like on the piling of the bridge <laughs> again. And so she gets out and says, come on down. And Ruth's like, I, no, like I don't want to come down. We've had this conversation a bunch of times before. She's like, Alan's dead. Ruth says, I know I shot him, but he's not always dead. Sometimes he's just arriving. And mm. so she's still in her mix of times and she says, come on, I'll just take you home. And, and Ruth says, you always say that. And then Molly says, so in some of, in one, in one, at least one of those timelines, you left Matthew and you went to live with Alan. And that takes Ruth by surprise. Ruth's like, you've never said that before. Yeah. <laughs> like that's new she information. Pattern. Which is the pattern that she broke in the kids yeah. universe, right? And that gets Ruth down, which is nice. And then we see Teresa back at her house. It's weird that she's come back after five. Like, mm -hmm. we haven't seen Teresa and Cusack's character, the, the warden of Shawshank, since episode five. They've closed it now. Now it's nothing. Now okay. she's the warden of nothing, I think. Well, it's the process of being closed, yeah. Yeah. So, and at her house, while she's drinking a very big glass of wine... She finds a carved woman out of soap. I is imagined that what it, it is? was soap. Yeah. Is there still soap shavings or something like it? Yeah. And then there's a carving of what appears to be her, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it her? It could be. It's got her yeah. hair. It's a, a soap carving, so mm -hmm. it's not super, like, detailed. Detailed. Oh, yeah. they can be. I've seen them. Uh, well, yeah, you can make super detailed carvings out of almost anything if you have the right tools. Including butter. 
check the Iowa State there. Uh, and we're, we're flashing back to Matthew and our Henry in the woods the night that he disappeared. And that night, Matthew tells Henry that he's going to kill his mom. <laughs> Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, I'm going to kill your mom because mm -hmm. she's an adulterous whore. Right. So what we get from this sense of it, um, this perspective, is that the relationship we were wondering before, if the relationship with Alan, Alan? Had gone, uh, yes. yes, had been... I'm, I'm really mistaken. There's a, a very fam well, a famous science fiction author named Edgar Pangborn. Oh, I interesting. Call him Edgar. I bet that's where his name comes it from. It might be. I mean, because Edgar, I mean, Pangborn is an unusual name, so I only have it an is. association yeah. with it. Yeah, and my guess is that Stephen King is aware of that writer. I'm sure. <laughs> right? right. Um, so, yes, there there is intimation that that relationship was physical during her, their marriage. Now, that intimation is made by only by Matthew, who is clearly mentally ill because he believes that the only choice left to him at this point is to kill his wife. Right. So he's not altogether, altogether. Now, they definitely are having some sort of emotional affair. Whether or not it's become in, physical, in we don't world, actually know. It appears that their relationship began after her husband died. But they were very fond of each other or something before. Right. And then it appears in that world, the relationship had started much earlier. And because the husband hadn't died, there was, it could have been consummated. I mean, it's consummated in our world because he's out of the way. Right. And it begins a real relationship. But we don't, but, but what I'm saying is mm -hmm. in our world, Matthew is telling Henry, your wife is, or my, yeah. your mother is cheating on but me. But whether or not it's actually happening. We don't know. We don't and know. we don't know, so we don't know on either side. Right. Yeah, when, when, and how much it happened. We only have, uh, Alan's word for it, what he told, uh, Henry at one point earlier on in the, the series. That the relationship was, that the, the relationship began in earnest, at least, after. Well after. Father, right, like, well, well after. after. As they're, yes. Grown and retired adults, yes. yes. Um, and at that point, our Henry runs away from his father. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Henry had gotten in a car accident, <laughs> driving to find his mom. Uh, uh, all the birds, all the birds came again. That's where they shouldn't be. Driving. And he drove into a pile of bricks and was knocked unconscious. And we see him wake up the next day with his, somebody comes up and says, hey, are you okay? And his window's been down a little bit. It is snowing outside. He is very lucky that he did not freeze I, I to death. I don't understand why the person is so, like, makes What's a point. What's up, man? Right. Yeah, his car is all fucked up. There's blood on the windshield because the birds had flown into right. it. But he was like, these are everywhere, man. Global warming. Yeah, like, that's. tell you to pick up a dead bird and just walk around with it. Yeah, no thanks. I don't. Birds have all kinds of. I will say though, I did do it once. Don't do that. Not with bare hands. It was when I was working in a warehouse, and there was a goose that probably got lost in a storm and flew into a power line and just dropped dead from like you know, <laughs> shock, and was lying out on the driveway of um, the warehouse where I worked. So I brought the goose in and put it on the shipping line, and attempted to just pass it off as if the bird landed there through one of the open uh, cargo doors. And nobody thought it was funny. 
I was asked to please take the goose outside again. Yes, because, ew. I thought it was the funniest thing on earth watching people scream when they found this goose. Um, I think you might have had a psychotic break. <laughs> that doesn't even seem like a I thing you would do. It was. A, I had a sense of humor. This does not sound like the person that I know, and I'm pretty okay with that. <laughs> well, just wait until we find another dead bird. No, dead birds have mites. Well, yes, I also discovered birds that. have mites and fleas and all kinds of nasty. I discovered that them. once I moved the corpse of the bird that it did have. Um, they had birds. Friends. Yes. Like um, like Cloverfield. Yeah. Yeah. So. Henry starts his car up and drives and <laughs> drives on. And uh, we see Wendell walking in the woods, and he comes upon a, the the body of Odin, uh-huh. and Willie is there talking to the police, and the RV is there. And I guess at that point, he kind of gets scooped up by the police, because the next time we see him, he's at the police station. Uh, Henry? No, Willie. Willie. Okay. Uh, no, um, Wendell. Okay. Wendell. So Henry finally gets home. I guess basically hoping that his mom got back because he wasn't able to find her and he was knocked unconscious. And when he gets home, Ruth is there, uh, and she wants she's looking for she's looking at her chess pieces and doesn't know where she says where's the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly, which the queen is back at the beginning of her story when Alan shows up for the first time. Right, we see her there. Uh, Molly tries to get Henry to help the other Henry. Uh, and he's very resistant because every time he goes into the woods, someone ends up dead. His yeah. dad's dead. She died. Like, I don't want to do this. And then we see Henry picking up Wendell at the police station. And they won't let him leave. <laughs> they won't let yeah, him really leave. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Henry sends Wendell out to wait for him. And the policewoman who had previously referred to him as the Black Death, so she's a garbage. She's a, yeah. It's basically like Alan's dead in your shed, then you're, then you flee from the scene, you were breaking and entering the at the B&B, which I don't mm. even understand how you could break and enter at a B&B. But, it. It's not necessarily the case. Because and again, then you fled from that scene, right. and you know, this, and now you're they say they've got his DNA and fingerprints all over the RV, which might be true. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. It is very possible and probable that his fingerprints and DNA are, in fact, all over the RV, but I promise you the Castle Rock police don't know that yeah. because they've been processing that scene for an hour or whatever. There's they, no way. But he is fin- he's been fingered by Willie, uh-huh. who is not deaf. We don't know what happened to Odin. We just know that Willie was going to be deafened by yeah. him and was not deafened by him. And Odin was stabbed in the eye with what you presumed was the same implement that was going to be stuffed in Willie's ear, which I think you're probably right about. Uh, so, yes. Then... We um, flip back, and Teresa has knocked on Molly's door and is looking for the kid. Says he's the devil. 
And then I was like, oh, she, she looks weird. Is she about to walk into traffic? At which point she definitely walks into she traffic. She probably walks into a truck. Is, is she goes to across the street and is hit right. by a school bus full of prisoners. Whoops. It happens. Uh, and then we have Henry, our Henry, at the police station. He's locked up. Um, he does end up having a very long conversation in one of the conference rooms or interrogation rooms with Molly, and I don't know why that's allowed, but it is. And she says you're supposed to meet the other Henry at Harmony Hill to you know, help him out or whatever. He gives that information to the cops, or they just took it. It's mm -hmm. unclear. But the implication is that he told them where the kid was. And where the kid was is at the cemetery. Harmony Hill is the cemetery. He's looking at his own grave. He's mm -hmm. looking at baby boy Deaver's grave. And we see a helicopter. And then, you know, freeze, hands up. And he puts his hands up. And he is taken into custody as well. And then they are, there are, how many, how many... Jail cells in Castle Rock PD. Apparently there's only two. And so now we have a Henry in one of them and a Henry in the other one of them. Two Henrys. And Molly is giving Rendell, Wendell a ride home. And she's just like, I am so sorry that, I'm so sorry that you're mm -hmm. dealing with all of this. And, uh, you know, Wendell's like, this whole thing is fucked up. And I came back because of the sound. Right. At which point Molly's like, hey, <laughs> maybe if your dad won't take you and take right. us into the woods to fix this, maybe you can. The sound seems to interrupt the uh, the flight navigation. Uh, of burbs. Or, or burbs. And yeah. So that's the, the explanation we're given for why birds are dropping out of dropping the sky. Dropping out of the sky, yeah. So the Henrys are back in jail. Uh the kid looks at R. Henry and it's like, you gave me up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he doesn't get an answer. And he goes, that's what I would have done. And he's like, but as long as I'm here, it's only going to get worse. Right. And people are going to die. And we're both victims. At which point, that's not, a, that's not what Henry, that's not how Henry, our Henry wants to see himself. Mm -hmm. And he really bristles at that. And he's like, I don't buy it. And then he says, if if she hadn't left him in your world, what would have happened? And the kid says he would have killed her. Romans two sixty six twenty three. Well, that's what convinces him that that the there's telling him the truth. The truth, right? He would have killed her if she stayed because right of this. And yeah, at that point. That is close enough to his timeline and his recollection. However, that means that Henry's starting to get his memories back. Yeah. Because that was before the disappearance. And well, Henry's only to supposed to remember. In it's, the last few episodes, it's, yes, he's it's getting flashing. flashes of things. Yeah. And maybe it was after his experience in the, um, the sort of isolation booth that Odin constructed that he was able to recall things. Yes. 
Then we see Jackie putting Ruth to bed, and I was like, this is good. I feel like Jackie would be a good caretaker for Ruth, because I think that she wouldn't put up with her bullshit, mm-hmm. but I also think she's smart enough to keep up with Ruth when Ruth is really right. on it, right? Uh, and then they come in, and the the cops come into the, the jail cells, and they we had seen on the street the bus that had hit the warden has all these inmates on it. They've been there for two hours and they're getting, you know, pissed off. And I'm like, what do you, you just can't wait to get into another cell. I don't well, understand. The what, cell they have is a little bigger and more private than being on the bus. On the bus, maybe. Chained to it. Uh, and so they're offloading all of those prisoners into the one cell and putting both the Henry's in the other cell. Y'all, let me just tell you that they had to know that this was a terrible idea, right? I think it didn't matter to them at this point. No. I think that putting um, putting the prisoners in the next cell right next to uh, the kid, mm-hmm. that the kid was going to get antagonized. They were, you know, because he'd been one of their communities. Yeah, he, they call him Nick Cage, which, <laughs> which is right. fucked up. Uh, Ruth finds the queen at the house. We see her find the queen, and she's got it. With her in bed. And then back at the prison, as we could have anticipated, all hell breaks loose. Uh, but here you see um, the kid actually using his abilities to start creating. We don't. Here's the thing it's yeah. you see that. I think they'd leave it pretty ambiguous. I think that he's staring at the prisoners directly, and then they start acting out against each other, whereas before they're turning their attention to him. And then once uh, there's a melee inside among the there's prisoners. There's a melee. Uh, the uh, the guards are uh-huh. shot. The keys are kicked into their cell. The 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 two Henrys is, is a cell, and the kid picks him up, opens the door. After some time goes by, mm-hmm. which is good. Uh, wherein literally everybody dies. Like, I don't know if anybody escaped or if just everyone killed everyone else. It's unclear because as they're walking, they do end up leaving the the cell mm-hmm. and walking out of the police station and it, there's just bodies everywhere, well, including Henry, including Willie. Henry Deaver seems to have a moment with Willie who, in your estimation, is the person who killed Odin. Right? I think he probably killed Odin. Right. And he was trying to frame Henry for Henry it. Henry for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. or Henry for it. Yeah. Which is one of the probably frustrating plot points for me is the fact that he never mentions to anybody except for Molly that he'd been left in that room. And Molly only because she rescued him from Well, he might have. The other thing that we need to keep in mind is our timeline right now. Mm-hmm. We left for a whole episode, but... I believe that the timeline goes, uh, he's out in the woods, he comes upon their campfire, he's put in the filter, he's in the filter for probably overnight at least, Mm -hmm. right? That's when Alan's getting killed. Molly lets him out, he goes home, he finds the kid at his house, he finds Alan's dead body, he deals with that stuff, then... He puts Wendell on a bus. Then, uh, what happens with him next? He 
wants to go look at those paintings. So then he breaks into the B and B. Then he's almost. So this is the next night. So this is all happening back to back. Right. He breaks into the B and B. He gets. He almost dies. Everybody, uh, uh, Gordon and Lilith are killed. He gets a call that his mom is out and confused. Mm -hmm. He leaves. That where he just almost died to go look for his mom. He gets in a car accident almost immediately and is knocked unconscious till the following morning. At which point he goes home. He finds his mom. Is that when he gets a call from the police that his son has been found? Yeah. So then he goes directly there and then he's in jail. Like when in that time period did he have time to say, "Hey, there's a couple of dudes well, in the woods," like he. As soon as he walked back into his life, mm -hmm. he had to deal with the murder that his mother had just committed and couldn't really talk about the fact that he, like, there was no time in that to go, also, I had been, I was kidnapped last night. Like, just when, and the police are so, like, so hostile to him right off the bat. I think that's, ooh, ooh. that's actually more of it, because I would imagine <sighs> he would make more of that defense when he was talking to the police. Oh, that's one of the two people who kidnapped me for several days. So well, and he's they. We know that it was it was only a few hours, so it was right. probably just That's, that night. But well, he had the impression that he's been in there for years. It himself. felt like a long time. So they kidnapped him and and put him in in the uh, booth, and so you think he would bring that up, but you're right. They probably wouldn't have listened to him anyhow, and he would wait until the actual police came by and not you know right. Oh, and these people, you know, he didn't see that Odin was dead. We saw that Odin was dead. Right. He just saw that they weren't there anymore. And he knew that one of them was supposed to be assaulting the other right. one. So then, yeah, then they they finger him if something went wrong with that. I mean, it's 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 messy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when or who I would tell. But he's not going to tell Wendell. I think Molly's like, the only one who knows. But again, Molly uh, Molly um, saved him, rescued, rescued him. him. Yeah, but I, who else is he going to tell? Ruth is not quite here right now. Wendell is a child; he doesn't need that. Um, so, who who else? Who else? I don't remember him mentioning it to the kid. But I just felt like it would probably. Would I don't be think I would mention it to him either because he, he still doesn't know who this kid is, and he ends not knowing who the kid right. is. So, yeah, so it is like, oh, that's a whole thing that he didn't tell anybody, mm -hmm. but also who's he going to tell and when is he going to do it? Like, his timeline has, he's had a bananas couple of mm -hmm. days. Uh, then they go out, back out into the woods. They're just like, fine, let's go to the woods. Let's see if we can get you through your portal. And we get another flashback, and it's our last flashback to... uh when Henry was 11, our Henry was 11. We see Matthew standing on the cliff. Uh, Henry had run up to the cliff and then, shining style, backtracked his steps. Right. So Matthew follows it, the, the trail up and is looking over the edge, and we see that our young Henry yeah. did, in fact, run and push his father off of that cliff. So what everyone assumed that he had done, he had in fact Yeah, but done. he didn't kill him. He did it, well, and that's he a, tried. that's a little bit unrealistic because he's falling such a distance that he'd basically be a stain on the ice 
underneath the cliff. I mean, that's the thing. He was. He was. Yeah, yeah, but he's still intact enough for. He's not dead. It's up to Molly to kill him. It's up to Molly to kill him. But he was probably a quadriplegic, and he probably also didn't have any upper. Like he was probably going to be on a vent in a vent farm for the well, rest. Well, what of we know is that he was going to do experience some form of recovery. That's what doctors were predicting in our world until Molly went over and unplugged him. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't recall that at all. I Not reco- a complete recovery, but he would live or he would survive the experience. He would survive, but right. I think it was like I said. I think he was destined for it just seemed unreal. Well, long-term again, care. We're and talking no... about people in alternate dimensions, so using a word like it seemed a little unconvincing that he fell off the cliff and somehow survived. Yeah. That's a, but what yeah. yeah but what I'm saying is he wasn't going to be able to get up and walk around no, he wasn't he ever was going to, to give a sermon around. again I don't think any speech or movement on his own behalf was going to be possible ever again I I don't think so um and I think Molly you know pulling that trach tube was sort of speeding along the inevitable because it could have been you you can live like that for decades well yeah <laughs> so uh they're wandering and, and he and of course and we have to be clear that henry did that to save his mother mm-hmm. because this it, matthew well, had yes, said in no uncertain terms when we get home i'm killing her yeah. I'm, i've got a gun and i'm going to shoot her that is what is going to happen and so to save his mother who we know they have a very close relationship. Right. Um, this is what he felt like he needed to do. Uh, and then we are going back and forth, and they're not able to find the spot. And then there is that scene where I think the kid, that Henry, stumbles and is on the ground. And in the light of our Henry's flashlight... He has monster face. He gets monster yeah. face. He kind of looks Henry like back into the woods. Yeah. So that and he's asking him if he hears the sound louder at a particular place. Because he's saying this is an actual aperture out there that's invisible except for people who recognize right. the sound of the schisma. And so when there when Henry's able to get the gun away from the other one, there is a split second where he sees something that doesn't look entirely human. Which is what leaves it ambiguous. He looks a little bit like the um the head zombie from Game of Thrones, mm. the Ice King. Okay. I don't remember what he's called. Um, the head White Walker. Mm-hmm. He's all like um, sort of white and wrinkly mm-hmm. with like, yeah. So that's what he looks like. And Henry sees that. And yeah, that's the thing. The kid kind of finally just takes Henry at gunpoint because he's like, I can't hear it. Right. I need someone who can hear it. Go out there. And he, yeah, he gets the gun back away from him. He sees that. And then there's a cut. There's just a hard black cut. And we get a one year later thing. Yeah, it's very much like a storm in the century. Yeah. And our Henry, Andre Holland, is in court talking about a property dispute. <laughs> with, so smaller stakes than he used to yes, take care of. Yes, with yeah. someone in Castle Rock who we've seen before, so we know that he's still in Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes home and Wendell is visiting uh, they're playing some chess we see uh, Molly with her mom in Florida 
and uh, an ad on the television indicates that she's like the number one real estate agent in the Keys, mm-hmm. which... I like how that scene was set up, too, because we see her at first asleep next to... She's not even asleep. They're just kind of both laying on the couch, staring at the her television. Grandma. Yeah. Her grandma. That's right. And not then her mom. she's able to get up and move around, and you realize, oh, no, no, she's not... You, she didn't wind up the sort of waster. Yes, you, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that she was like heroined out, Mm -hmm. like because they're both just kind of laying there in a in a TV trance, um, watching the television. Then she gets up and says, "You know, I'll see you tomorrow, Grandma." Uh, And then we see our Henry again at the cemetery, and there is uh, a duel. Uh, plot for Alan and mm-hmm. Ruth. So they've been buried together. Uh, Ruth died February of 2019. So she lived another five months or so after the happenings because he died in October. We see his de- date of death is October of 2018. Hers is February of 2019. So um, she lived five months more and then they were buried together. And then we see sort of those overhead shots that they borrowed from The yeah. Shining in a, in a bunch of different places through the show. Yeah. Uh, Henry going to the grounds of Shawshank, which is now closed, even though there was a yellow bus in the back, and I was like, mm-hmm. is that bus there? And he goes down, down, down back to where the kid was found originally and where the kid is now. And he brings him a burger because it's Christmas. And uh, he's relocked up the kid in the cage. Did not return him to his universe if that was a thing. And uh, then... You know, and the kid's like, it's Christmas. He says, it'll be tomorrow. He says, how long are we going to do this? He says, Lacey used to say it gets to be so that you forget which side of the cage you're on. Yeah. Uh, our Henry says, I don't know how long we're going to do this for. Merry Christmas. And then he bounces. And then there is a little bit of an after thing with Jackie who's got glasses and a sweater. She's looking very studious. She's on a computer at the bar, and she's finishing up uh, uh, an article or a book. It's unclear. Mm -hmm. I think it's a book. I think she's writing a true crime book. Um, And she reads a little bit of it, and then she's like, it's called Overlooked. I'm headed west to uh, see where it began. Mm -hmm. So she's heading back to the Overlook. Hey, y'all, that's the thing's drag. And uh, the drug dealer from... (laughs) Right. Molly's drug dealer from earlier asks her some dumb questions, and then she and and then she's who we end with, and that's yeah, that's that, and that's and the I, end. That I really wish to, I really want to see that story. That's not season two of Castle Rock. I know, I thought that that's what they were yeah. going to do for season two. It's not, and but, she we don't see her in season yeah. two. So we do see some other. I believe there is some crossover things. Mm-hmm. In fact, there is. There's a character named Amity who has a couple lines in this season, but mm. has more lines in the second season. Uh, but that is basically the culmination. And um, 
it's interesting to me this like i said what they want us to believe about what you are pursuant to where you are mm-hmm. is predicated on the fact that you believe that like for you to be good with the ending of this you have to believe that our henry is doing the right thing yeah which means also that Matthew Deaver in the other world was doing the right thing when they lo- when he locked the child up, the ch- our Henry up on this that side. I had the problem because I felt the idea of introducing him as some sort of thing with menace was, to me, a little better than just the idea that he's misplaced because it still doesn't. I'm not sure exactly. That's the. There's not really a clear setting of the rules in here of no. why or a, a clear right. explanation of what. Actually, because like I said, everything that he said could be false. But Molly seems to think it's true. Molly seems to think it's true. Through her intuitive powers. Um, But, yeah, finding out that he's simply misplaced gives you some sort of sympathy for him and kind of beats up the ending. There's a terrible ending then. Yes, that is Um, my big problem with it. The ambiguity of is he or isn't he is what I would have gone for more because... There is a well, that's why they right. made him a. That's why they gave. I think they only gave him a monster mm. face, so that we'd be okay with the ending. Well, it it, it goes back to which they could have just sent him back through, yeah. and that would have been an okay ending too. <laughs> the um, the it's clearly very well thought out. The writing on this show is really good because we're starting with the image of Henry Deaver, our Henry Deaver, um explaining why he has to be absolutely certain if he's going to condemn someone to death. And that doubt is why, like his predecessor, doesn't just shoot the kid, knowing that there's something desperately wrong with him. God only knows if shooting him would help, because we know that uh, he seems to be um, immune to aging. God only, I, I don't know if he can die inside of our dimension. That doesn't seem to be something covered by uh, either of the, of the parallel stories of Henry Deaver. But, yeah, it's very well set up in that we know in the end he couldn't make the choice to kill him because he's not 100% certain. And he said his excuse to actually, in the case of one of his clients, to pull the switch, so to speak, would be I would have to see a letter from God written with a golden pen. Yeah. And unlike his, well, he's not certain uh, certain about God like his adopted dad or even the uh, preacher in the other dimension, or the sheriff. But he it's like his doubt moves in an opposite direction. Whereas their doubt was, did God really send me on this mission? Right. His doubt is more like, yeah, they're taking for granted that they're on a holy mission. He is keeping him in the cell because he doesn't know if he's on a holy mission. Gotcha. He just knows that there's something wrong. Right. And he can't put two and two together. And... It may or may not be that this is his opposite point, but he also did see all the chaos this person can cause. So if he can't bring him back, then he might as well keep him in the prison, because if not, everything's going to go to hell in some sort of put up again. Uh, yeah, so it's a very clever ending, because it's, you've been set up for that ending from the beginning. But, yeah, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on, so I was a little disappointed in the end that there wasn't any kind of real clarity. Oh. Oh, what? So, he does come back 
in the second season. Mm-hmm. And he does come back in the second okay. season. And so there may be some clarity. It's He's never explicitly said, but his visage is seen again in various times in the second season. Right. So it's also going to be so weird when we get into the second the second season and there's fully a character named Amity. Like, well, it's, it's becoming so odd. popular child's name. I actually heard that one yeah. of my one of one of my uh, clients is expecting and was like, you know, your name is gaining in popularity. And I'm like, no, ah, awesome. Um, so, but yeah, that'll be that. I remember when we watched Castle Rock mm. season two. That that was my. I was like, this is the first thing I've ever seen that has your name. That has a character with my name in it. In 40 years. Right. Huh? Aside from a movie about the house. Well, yes. I mean, a character with my name in it. Or even the town in Jaws, I guess. Yes. Places, absolutely. People. mm -mm. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I enjoyed more moments from it. Um, The science fiction plot at the end and the alternate dimensions... Yeah, it wasn't. It was a little bit disappointing for me because I was hoping for something more straight horror. But you can't really be disappointed at being something that it's not. And the fact that it was really well thought out. It was thought out. It didn't feel like the end of Lost or um, something where, where you're like, "Are you? You guys didn't. You guys weren't quite sure where. You were like kind of surprised you got picked up, and you're kind of surprised you're like an actual show. Right. <laughs> like, and then you became a phenomena, and there's millions of people following what you do next, and you clearly don't have a direction. Right. Well, and the the downside. I think we've talked about this a few mm-hmm. times. Um, it. I. I would not want to be a showrunner in the age of the internet where you have hundreds of thousands or millions of people speculating on whatever you're going to do next. Right. Because eventually someone's going to figure out exactly what you're going to do. And then if you do that, people are going to think you either ripped it off or, yeah. you know, or, or, or did what the fans wanted you to do. And if you don't do that, then the thing that you were going to do isn't what you're going to do. And you have to come up with something new. Like I, that scene was, I was uh, deeply terrible. I mentioned um, earlier that a friend got me to start watching this first season of Poldark. Yes. And this is based on a series of novels. And one of the the um, issues that developed with the creator of the books was that the direction that he planned for the stories and characters to go into was not the direction that the general audience wanted when they were watching the television program. Uh, and it was partly the fault of the TV program for not casting the characters in a way that made the relationships that he wanted particularly compelling. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big issue, and I think it was an issue for the Game of Thrones people, too, that they got ahead of the book. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I can't imagine trying to produce work now that has an audience that has to cater to it and satisfy those fans, and maybe they want things that aren't good for the program as a whole or aren't the way that you envisioned them in the beginning. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, but... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think I I, I, enjoyed, oh, I enjoyed it. I, enjoyed the, I think I liked it better on the re- rewatch, yeah. knowing some things. I certainly did because again, we weren't waiting a week to find out every episode what was going on. We found out the next day or a couple of days later. Yeah. So is that 
where we want to be. Yeah, I think so. I think it's actually really satisfying. Except for the end, but it's not a twist. That's what I mean, maybe, when I say it's well thought out. It wasn't like they just surprised it with you. And, oh, by the way, they're in the modern times and not in turn of the century. Oh, or, right. Or, you know, oh, you know, it's the trees, guys. <laughs> oh, poor M. Night Shyamalan. And I, I have He's to say that I really like his work, but just with that twist that everyone's expecting, you're expecting it because of what he does, and when it doesn't well, the, come the problem right, is... It's a disaster. He doesn't always. Yeah. And now he feels like he has to. Right. And it's difficult to do that. Like, a twist, a good twist Mm -hmm. that you don't telegraph entirely, but isn't cheating Mm -hmm. or unfair to the audience, is extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. What he pulls off in the sixth sense is extraordinarily difficult. Right. Because the whole time he's telling you, he's telling you what the twist is, and you're not listening to it. And, you know, I'm going to, uh, spoiler for the others, I guess. The, I, when, when I watched the movie The Others, I got like four minutes in and I was like, they're the dead ones. Yeah. And sometimes when I, quote, figure something out. And the thing is, like, I'm not sit. I do not sit down at a movie and I'm like, let me spoil this for everybody. But my brain is trying to put together the pieces that are being put in front of me. And sometimes I see the pattern way before I'm supposed to. And sometimes I don't mind that because I'm like, ooh, if I'm right, that's going to be cool and I'd like to see how it's laid out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I see the pattern and I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. (laughs) So I stop watching a thing. There's another movie, uh, uh, something mommy, something. uh, There's another horror movie where I... We started watching it together and Mm -hmm. about three minutes in, I was like, I'm going to leave. Keep watching the movie. I'm going to go because I think I figured something out. And I don't, if that's right, it's not a movie I want to watch right now. And it turned yeah, out it that I was I, right. I, I, I just saw that one and it was a, God, it was a foreign film. I can't remember what country it was from, but it was the kind of twist I hate, which is, oh, it was all in their head. Right. And I really hate that. Because, I don't necessarily uh, hate that. because I, I do because it's, first of all, it's a cliche now. It, it, it is. It's a terrible cliche. There's, it's, it's there's another movie called out. The Uninvited. There's yeah. like six movies called, called The Uninvited, Invited, right. first of all. Um, and there are two that I like that are yeah. called that. They're very different. Um, and and one of them has that same right. thing. Does. And it works to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like... Yeah, I think it didn't work for me in that film, although I really liked the performances. I liked Emily Browning, and I loved yeah. everyone in it. The, I think David Strathair was in that one, I think? I believe so. Um, and and I, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks, that's right. And yeah. my issue with that one was I had just seen two other movies that pulled did the same six, thing, so yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I, hate I, I didn't enough. mind that, but yeah, in, in the other one, yeah, in that Mommy one... It's, I think it, that was just the title, Mommy. It was something like that. It was... Or... Good night, mommy. Or oh, maybe uh, it was yeah, yeah. But um, there was a. I was like, um, 
not all the people on the screen are people. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, that's, and I was just like, I don't, I, I got it. I'm good. I, I don't need to watch many it. Many years ago, in terms of thinking of, like, a And I don't want to get, like, that, explicit, but, like, yeah. these are the these are things that are similar. Uh, I saw a film called Shattered. It's a film from 1991 with Tom Berenger. And it had a lot Tom of Berenger actors I liked. Been. Bob Hoskins was in it. Greta Scotchy was in it. Uh, uh, Joanne Whaley Kilmer, who I was smitten with when I was younger. Uh, and it's this very twisty mystery film, but in an attempt to make it very twisty and to subvert the audience's expe- expectations all mm-hmm. the time, they threw too many twists in it. Mm. To the point where Roger, yeah. Roger Ebert, in reviewing the film, because I read the review afterwards, and he's he said very clearly what I felt, which is, I really love the cast, I really love how the film works and unravels, but and the shocks that come periodically, but I would really love one particular character, and I won't reveal who, to turn to the camera and just address the audience why on earth they made this series of really bizarre decisions just to obfuscate what they were doing. And it was for no other reason than to stay ahead of the audience expectations so you didn't guess it was this character who was behind everything. Like, why on earth did you do that? Why did you dress like a man and go to this other location and then dress like a woman and come to the same? It's like, there was no need to be that thorough. It's really just odd. Uh, uh, so she can, or he or she can be recognized as another character in the story from a distance. Right. It was very strange. And at one point, this character tries to explain the Reasonable doubt, that's why. Right, but <laughs> in, in the end, it just felt like, well, Remember this Remember when Andre Holland was that. asking us mm-hmm. how much doubt is okay right, when you're... <laughs> and I, to this day, I really like the film. I, I love Bob Hoskins in it. He's very funny. As a private detective who's not really good at his job, but he's really likable, and he winds up pulling things out of the fire when he needs to. But... Um, but yeah, it was sort of frustrating because I have no idea why some of these characters did what they did or people just don't have a conversation or they're always intoning something sinister when they really have nothing sinister behind it. They kind of lean into the key light and say something and then tuck back into the dark. You're going, that was significant. And it was just done to make you think it was significant right. because they had another plot coming. And going, gotcha. Why on earth were they acting so suspicious all the time? And, right. And I feel that with Castle Rock, they didn't do that. They were actually pretty good with keeping everything consistent, except for the is he or isn't he something else. Which um, I think they, that is, they want to leave it supernatural enough mm-hmm. to bring it back later right. if they want to. And I think they want to... Because what I remember the second they season wanted is almost some exclusively like a super, it's not a science fiction, but it's... Ambiguity. Yeah. It is, yes. Uh, it is, yes, the next thing is, we, we're going to talk about, or the, the, mm-hmm. the next season of Castle Rock is more supernatural right. and what's, than this What one. I liked about the second one is that it mixed together his straight horror story, psychological horror, with misery, with a supernatural horror like Salem's Lot, and have them both cross each other. Yeah. So it's two ends of the well, spectrum. Let's, of yeah, horror. let's not... Get no, I'll go on details beyond that, but yeah. it was a very interesting mixture of ideas, and yeah. it's more directly from his work, I think. Than and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again, mm-hmm. having seen this one so recently. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but, but that's not what we're doing next. Watch. No, no, no. 
we won't be watching that until like May. We'll be like May. Wow. It's gonna be May. Okay, sorry. Um, up next, are you curious? I'm Do you curious. want to know? Do I'm you know? No. Nope. Is it? A, is it not a secret? It's a secret to me. It's a secret to you. We're gonna watch Mr. Mercedes season two. Okay. That's the next thing that we have up. So, Mr. Mercedes season two, uh, which is based on the second book of the Bill Hodges trilogy. Which I've forgotten the name of, but the book is called Finders Keepers, which is the name of the PI company that they start. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see more Holly and more Jerome yeah. fighting more crime. Uh, Brady is going to be back, but his mom isn't. So <laughs> hopefully yeah. the incest is less, less incest. That's a good rule That's what I'm for yep. in all things, except V.C. Andrews books, because then they would just poof out of existence. Um, and so we're going to watch 10 episodes of Mr. Mercedes season two. All right. Two by two? Two by two. Okay. So first up, episodes one and two. They are called Missed You and Let's Go Roaming. I wonder if that's a, a reference to Lord Byron. I don't, but I don't know. No. The first two episodes are 60 minutes and 53 minutes and so we will watch them both. Uh, most of the episodes, it looks like, are on the longer side, mm-hmm. between 50 and 60 minutes. Um, but we're still going to do two at a time. And I'm going to go ahead and buy. Um, we're going to probably buy it on Amazon Prime. That's how okay. we're going to watch it. Uh, and because I do not believe it is available for free anywhere, but I will look around, and if that's sure. not true, I will put it in the show notes. Uh, so before that, before we watch more Hodges and Holly, and before uh, we end this episode, do you have anything you would like to recommend to our lovely listeners who I... put up with a very long episode, but... I, I am think it's at a loss. We have had not had a lot of time to explore stuff. It's so, true. We are recording yeah. sooner than. So I'm still normal. a little bit behind. There's a podcast that I haven't listened to an episode yet. Um, so I don't want to recommend it. It looks really promising. There's a couple, but uh, I guess I'll mention that next time if it goes through. I was, it's in my queue. We just watched a movie. Uh, oh yes, and we did. And are you going to recommend that? I I'm going to recommend. I was thinking of two things. Okay, which things? So the first is that movie that I just mm-hmm. bleated about, uh, which is on HBO Max right now. It's called Locked Down. Mm-hmm. It stars Chiwetel Ejiofor and Annie Hathaway. She likes Annie. Everybody who knew, uh, Elliot Kalin knew, and his mom. Uh, <laughs> so it's about, uh, heist, it's a heist, it's a COVID lockdown heist movie. Uh, it also feels like, it's also a relationship movie, um, very good acting, 
Very good actors. Really yeah. good cat. cast. Cast. Really fun cast. There are some moments here where Annie Hathaway Annie. Um, plays a, a character who has synesthetic responses to things. Yes, Which she is does. really unusual. We, it's, it's, they and talk about it in... There are monologues in this. This feels yes, like it was written by a playwright. And she has... I was going to bring that up. This Pinteresque speech about... Uh, the reason why she doesn't like her job, it's a marvel to behold. It's... Because she's... They both active. have... Right. And it's perfectly suitable. It doesn't feel artificial because these two people have been locked up together too long, rather. Yes. And their relationship is failing on... Multiple levels. Multiple levels. And so you can see how that need to be theatrical and speaking out is really a part of her. And his need to disengage is really a part of him. It feels like actual people, at times almost uncomfortably like actual people. Yeah, I'm looking at the writer. Mm-hmm. So the 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 film was directed by um was it is his name Dennis? I've forgotten. But Doug. Doug, Doug Lyman. Lyman, who made um his ca- his uh, filmography is real interesting, but uh, one thing that he made that is great is Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. minus the name. Um, Lives I Repeat is a better name. Um, and it was written by Stephen Knight, uh, who has written um, a lot of things, including Dirty Pretty Things, Eastern Promises, uh, Locke, and Allied. I really like Dirty Pretty Things. And he wrote The Girl in the Spider's Web. Mm-hmm. The um, And then he wrote Serenity. Um, and directed Serenity. The Anne Hath- Annie Hathaway, Matthew McConaughey. Nobody's perfect. That movie is lunacy. It's way better if you know the twist going in. I really think that it's way better if you know the twist going in. But it has similar, like, these monologues where you're just like, whoop. He also wrote uh, two of the chapters created by television. Oh, no, the the Christmas Carol that came out last year that uh we watched. Uh, he wrote that as well. Okay, I hated that. But I know you didn't. I know yeah. you didn't like it. He wrote a bunch of Peaky Blinders as well, and Taboo, which is a show that well, actually I, we Taboo. started, and I don't. I I fell it. off. Did you? Did we? No, we finished it. Yeah. I don't remember. But it felt very kind of the story didn't feel complete. Like there was more to it. Mm. Um. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was very much kind of dirt and grit and. You looked at all the characters and could smell urine and tobacco. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting because I would have guessed that the writer was a playwright. Mm-hmm. He's not. Um, and Li- Doug Lyman m- makes a lot of action movies, yeah. and this is not that. It's a drama. But there's actiony and things comedy. to there's it, and I think the the beats of it mm-hmm. match an action movie. Yeah. Uh, the acting is great. Like I said, they got because a lot of it is on Zoom calls and things because they are in they're in actual COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got some fun cameos. Um, yeah, half because the fun is you could yeah, just oh my god, what is he doing in this movie? Or yeah. What is she doing in this movie? Uh, and it's long, 
but I I thought it was really good. I was and, never bored with it. I, uh, I, I followed along, and I was really concerned about what was going to happen with these characters. Quite often, when you see this film, which could be considered a romantic comedy, except it's more mm, drama, or it could yeah, be Yeah, I wouldn't call it a romantic comedy. It doesn't comedy. fit in any real clear category, and I, I think that... I, I think a heist movie is good mm, enough. If you like a heist movie, you'll but like But it doesn't this. really become a heist movie until about midway through. That's true. That is true. Which is but but they are selling else. it right. as a heist movie. And I think that part of that is that it is so many different kinds of things that it's hard to figure out what you want to call it. Yeah. But it winds up being just fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. I really, I liked it a lot. So what was your second recommendation? Uh, might be what your second, what your recommendation was going to be if you actually listened to it. It's a podcast. Uh-huh. It's called The Left-Right Game. I recommended that last week. Oh. Did you recommend the yeah. whole, had you listened to it? I had listened to three episodes by then. Oh, Okay. Well, then I'm seconding his recommendation from last yes. week. I listened to the whole thing, because I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I listened to it all in one day. There, I, I, <laughs> so, I discovered I could not listen to it at work. Yeah, that's fair. Episode four, one of the characters starts a absolutely profanity-laden tirade, and it was carrying... I'm listening to it at work right oh, next to me. Oh, you don't have headphones. I don't yeah. have headphones because I have to answer a phone No, yeah, my job, and so... Well, I do too. I just put one earbud yeah, in. But you're downstairs in an office. I'm out in the public, so no, that's she true. just begins a no. You can't stream. But also, that's uh, I'm going to tell you guys that's a bad listening experience mm-hmm. for this. They have done beautiful sound design on this yes, show, and so two ears. I only listen to it. I listen to it on on my. Out loud on my phone mm-hmm. as well, but in my room. Yeah. And then um, and then in one earbud, I am going to listen to it again uh-huh. with headphones or something similar right. on. So it's both ears. What you said last week still goes. And I would, now that I've listened to the whole thing, I would say do not. I would not listen to this in your car. There is a yes. warning at the beginning yeah. of every episode. But I still would not listen to this in your car. Now, that's me saying that now. Is it possible that I listen to it in my car on the way down next week? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't. I really don't think so. The sound effects are good enough that I think that it would be disconcerting enough to make it not enjoyable. Right. And I think it could be dangerous. So, don't do that. Don't do that. But listen to it when you can devote some time to it uh, and listen to it with both ears if that's an option for yeah. you. Uh, it's really, it is really good. Uh, and like I said, I finished it. So I've, I I started listening to it on Sunday and I finished it on Monday. Yeah, yeah so, not, the episodes are irregularly... They're between uh, like 30 and like, 45 right, minutes long and there's like 10 of them. Yeah. Or 8 of them even, maybe. Uh, and it's weird to hear Tessa Thompson, like, on a podcast. <laughs> and you'll recognize some of the other voice actors yes, as well. You will. Um, I was like, I know that voice. And then one of the dudes sounds like a different dude who's definitely dead, so it's not him. But uh, he'll remind you of some people that you you know, or you might know this voice actor, and and they don't actually sound that much alike, but. He definitely sounded like that guy from Northern Exposure, who I believe has been dead for like a decade. So, rest in peace. You've got a voice bubble out there. 
so that's that for me. Are you? You didn't. You no, I, I can't. I, okay. I okay. was just going along with your recommendation. That's totally fine. That mm-hmm. sounds great. So next week, uh, we are doing Mr. Mercedes Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2. Uh, until then, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod. You can find us on Facebook, latecomerspodcast, in the search bar. And if... Um, Nope, I don't remember what I was going to say, so I say this instead. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you... Better better late late than than never. never.